When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Vasquez beaten away by Buffon and then Ronaldo! Oh! What a goal by Cristiano Ronaldo! Messi to the near post! Messi to the net! Mamma Lionel! Ronel Kielko now. Here's a Honduran. He'll whip it in back to the far post. Elise! Albert Elise! La Pantarita! It's a Honduran connection! is Soccer Matters, brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm, daspitlaw.com. Here's Glenn Davis. Welcome into our special edition Daspit Law Firm World Cup 2022 coverage on Soccer Matters here on The Horn. I am Glenn Davis. DaspitLawAustin.com bringing this coverage of the FIFA World Cup 2022. Let's get after it here today. By the way, you can call John's firm, their personal injury attorneys, at 512-865-6710. 512-865-6710. Okay, so Argentina and Germany are now back in the picture in a big way. It was amazing how we would watch these first games and how so much judgment would be placed on a single match and a lot of times maybe the level of competition different between certain teams. And, you know, we, we made a lot of big judgment off one game. And as we all know, group stages, things change like the weather. So Argentina and Germany are back in a big way. Lionel Messi winning the world cup. The whole storyline is revived now. And there was talk of him going to inner Miami now in major league soccer. That's a whole nother thing next season, along with Spain, Sergio Busquets. Mexico, El Tri, disappointed, not only result-wise, but with what I think is really upsetting the soccer culture of Mexico and and all the great Mexico fans is a very pragmatic approach to the game against Argentina. We're going to talk about that. Uh, This is the special edition World Cup 2022 presented by the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com. All right, a quick review to start of the U.S. and England, though. I do want to talk about this because... What I'm about to say, I don't think is a bold statement. This 0-0 result against England, this is this was a highly anticipated match. But this was a new standard of controlling a game against a world power that we have never seen from a U.S. squad at a World Cup. Let's think about that. And again, the key word here is controlling. Controlling the game through tactics, controlling the game through decision-making, performance. The U.S. did this. I, I mean, they, they beat England in pretty much every category, apart from the first 10, 11 minutes that were shaky, and then the second half when Jack Grealish came on and Jordan Henderson. The U.S. controlled this game top to bottom. Only thing missing, obviously, was the finish. So if we look at past World Cups against higher-ranked soccer nations in the world, We have won as the United States on the spirit of the defensive cavalier kind of spirit and fight and determination. No question. We also won it on out of this world goalkeeping from the likes of Tim Howard. What did he have against Belgium in that game and two World Cups ago? Like 
17, 18 saves. It's under siege. Casey Keller, Brad Friedel. Our World Cup history is littered with a lot of goalkeeping success. So this is the World Cup that, as we were looking into it, I said to myself, I want this to be the World Cup where we control games against some bigger opponents. Uh, And the first one would be England. And they did. And essentially, to me, this is one of the best footballing 90 minutes I've ever seen, plus stoppage time, the United States play in a World Cup. In fact, it's the best. So they played three, three out of four halves of good soccer. They're only lacking the reward of goals, which must show up against Iran tomorrow and was the big question coming into this World Cup, right? Where would we get the goals? Uh, the assumption was it was going to come from committee. Tim Weah would chip in. Aronson would chip in. Polisic would chip in. Whoever's in the striker position might get one. Um, and again, that's a big question going into the to, to the game tomorrow. The U.S. pressing game against England, the pressure on the ball, the ability to play with the ball under pressure by individuals was something we'd never seen in a World Cup against an opponent like the three Lions of England. So from Tyler Adams guiding the midfield to the aggression desire, the drive of Weston McKinney to Eunice Musa and his threat in addition in midfield, the midfield hummed. Uh, and of course, Christian Polistic was dropped back into 4-4-2 for large portions. Then you had Tim Weah and Haji right up front. The two U.S. center backs, guided by the insertion of Tim Ream, which a lot of people didn't know if he was going to the World Cup. He, he right now is, is one of the key pieces that has enabled others to do things. So Ream alongside Walker Zimmerman were solid. Ream also is comfortable, composed. He's got a great demeanor about him. And they were solid with the transition of England. The outside backs of Serginho Dest and Anthony Robinson. How can you not talk about these two guys? They've been outstanding, and I, and I hope they have the legs tomorrow against Iran because these guys have done a lot of running. Dest has been subbed out in the two games. Didn't look like he wanted to come out in the second game against England. Both have helped the United States secure the wide areas. Both have been great under pressure with the ball. That's another thing. As a center back, Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman to be able to play to those two out wide, which they do a lot. It's either those two or checking back to the ball, Tyler Adams. Uh, what a secure thing to know. And Robinson and Desk can get out of pressure from opponents. So we have more players on the field now as the United States than ever in our history that have the ability on the ball in various positions to get out of pressure. I don't think there's any question. I think this is pretty pretty obvious and this is no slight to anybody matt turner and by the way no one's talking about the goalkeeping position now which was a real issue heading into the tournament a couple months ago well matt turner i don't know what's happened Uh, obviously his development has been accelerated he looks far more comfortable on the ball safe very calm demeanor um, you know, when I was looking at him and, and Jordan Pickford of England and Pickford with the big emotional screaming, shouting, and then I looked at Turner, just how composed I was just like, you know, if I'm a center back, yeah, I need to be shouted at no question, but I don't want a nervy all over the place kind of guy. Uh, I just thought Matt Turner 
was excellent. So the best chances for the United States, they come from Christian Pulisic. Now, the time he went off the crossbar, he was closed down by two defenders. I thought that was pretty spectacular. He went to his left and absolutely drove his left foot through it. Uh, was a spectacular moment, closed down by two guys. Weston McKinney had, had the half volley after a great buildup. There were some really good buildups from the United States, some good patience at times. Maybe not enough clear chances. Obviously did not get the goal. This game need to be, needed to be punctuated by the goal for the United States because they were the better team. I mean, they clearly were the better team in this, and there's no excuses here. And Oh, uh, England took the foot off the pedal. No, it's, let's stop the nonsense. Um, but the United States now is going to have to find goals and is going to have to win a game. And if you don't win a game in the group stages, honestly, no matter how much glowing commentary I give about the U.S.-England game and three out of four very, very good halves controlling opponents, it's not going to matter from, you know, a results-oriented position. This is going to be a better team in the World Cup in 2026. There's no question. I mean, these young guys, you got to really, really like what they're doing. But this is going to be different if you don't advance. All of this is not going to really mean a whole lot to people. So let's think about this. If Iran sits back to play the counter, which that's what they're going to do, and play for the draw, because that will advance him, the U.S. will have to break them down as they defend deep. It's going to be different. So there are going to be these moments when the United States, I think it's, it's, it's recognition, are going to have to recognize when Iran is pulled out of their shape or a couple times they maybe get undisciplined and a few guys join in the attack that maybe shouldn't, and then you win the ball back in a good area. Recognizing these uh, moments when Iran loses shape or is pulled out is going to be essential. And then it's, it's going to be you got to get the ball played past the line very, very quickly, and you got to get it to the feet of Pulisic, Weya, Aronson, McKinney, whoever's going to be playing a little bit higher. Can you produce off a set piece? Um, that's another area where the United States is going to need something. Can you create chances in front of Iran? If they're sitting back and there's no space behind them, well, then you got to tease them out. You got to shoot from long range. You've got to keep possession. Um, you got to find that little pocket of space in front of a defense. And by the way, when the U.S. got their lone goal with McKinney making that great wide slashing run into the box, that was after Christian Pulisic was found in a central area. Can you find him the ball in those places? Can you score a goal in front of them in and around the 18 or around the arc? Or I think they call it area 14 now, professional teams. That's the language they use. So let's see. Group C, Argentina, Mexico. By the way, tomorrow, uh, U.S.-Iran is huge. Um, it is a huge game. I've got friends in Iran. They're telling me the whole country is going to go nuts if they were to defeat the United States. All right, Argentina-Mexico. The Mexico 5-4-1 defensive-oriented team uh, was obviously set up to disrupt Argentina, hang in there, and hope for a magical moment from Chucky Lozano or Alexis Vega. The first half at work from the standpoint of breaking the rhythm of Leo Messi and, and Argentina. But for me, this is not Mexican football. Martino does not have the roster of attacking talent. And yes, you can make a claim that certain players should have been there, like Santiago Jimenez or Diego Lainez. Look, would they really have changed it that much? 
Possible. Possible. Mexico has not brought enough players through. This was a version of Mexico that my friends um, that are huge L3 fans, they're livid because of the style of play. And, and look, if you look at the history of Mexico, their footballing power is with the ball at their feet and possession. Boy, this did not look like Mexico. And one would say Liga MX's Amekis needs to to give more opportunity to Mexican nationals. This is a you know debate that has gone on forever. You know, bringing players from South America that really, in some cases, aren't good enough or not good enough beyond and above a Mexican national that should be getting opportunity in key positions in Mexican league teams. The second half opened up more. Argentina looked a bit more like Argentina. At the end of the day, they had 60% of the possession, 528 passes to 370. Only two shots on target for Argentina, and they get two goals. One shot on goal for Mexico. So Leo Messi scores in the 64th. They dragged the Mexican midfield to one side of the field. I think it was Angel Di Maria who found his feet. He's in that beautiful pocket of space at the top of the box. And he just hits a hard, low ball, and it beats uh, Memo Ochoa. Fantastic play from Messi. Spectacular moment in this World Cup. And now Argentina is back. There's relief. Enzo Fernandez comes on. He changes the tempo. Great move from Lionel Scaloni. Mexican midfield of Guardado, Herrera, Chavez, um, all got drawn to one side of the field. At that point, Guardado wasn't on the field, by the way. I'm sorry. And then Di Maria found Messi. Guardado, five World Cups. But really, should he be a starter for Mexico right now? Isn't that indicative of something? And what a great player he's been. By the way, you might want to know who Enzo Fernandez is after that fantastic curler. He's 21, plays for Benfica. Um, He was a River Plate Academy graduate. And AC Milan at one point were interested in signing him. They tracked him. They sent uh, scouts to watch him very closely. And then at the end, they decided against it. Well, Enzo Fernandez's value just went up. The World Cup shop window is open. It is some place to be if you're a player and your valuation can change with a single play. And this is why everybody wants to be on the field at this point. All right, how about a little on Germany and Spain before we hit a break here? Both teams got goals from substitutes in this one. Morata in the 62nd and Nicolas Fullerug in the 83rd for Germany. This looked more like the Germany we know coming off the Japan loss. And Spain comes down to earth after smashing their their first uh, match group opponent, Costa Rica. And again, that's where these judgments come in. And there's no question Spain is a great team and a good team. And it's young and it's got a lot. So 1-1, Alvaro Morato coming off the bench to make the near post run. This this was a spectacular goal, a wonderful, you know, flicked on ball after he makes this very educated, very experienced run. He hides behind a defender and then accelerates. Wow, what a goal. And, you know, that was exciting. Uh, one of my favorite goals of the tournament so far. Both goalkeepers were making great saves. Manuel Neuer made a huge one in the first half. Chances coming via high lines from both teams, right? So you got these high lines, and there were chances on both ends of the field. So this, for me, was one of the best games in the tournament. Spain with Pedri, Gavi, Olmo. They're all young. They're all the future of Spain. They've got some veterans mixed in beautifully. Um, 
for Germany, Leon Goretzka. He got the start. Musiala, Serge Gnabry, Thomas Muller up front. More possession to Spain, but Germany with 11 shots. This was a fantastic watch. Spain uh, finished with an interesting match in group play against Japan, while Germany gets Costa Rica, who bounced back to beat Japan, who a lot of people might not have thought that was going to happen. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back uh, a bit of a review of today's games and then a preview. Uh, we'll get into a preview tomorrow. We've got uh, Omid Namazi, who has been an assistant coach to Carlos Kirosh, uh, who is the Iranian national team coach. Uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, tomorrow's game as well on this show here tonight. This is all presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com. John Daspit's a personal injury attorney, him and his uh, firm. They'll handle your case. They'll work for you 24-7 nights and weekends. They're bringing, they're bringing you this World Cup uh, 2022 Special Edition Soccer Matters, plus the drops and all the updates that we do during the week on the other various shows and, and my appearances on the other shows to talk the World Cup and the game that we all love. All right, John Daspit, Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com. You get in a car, boat, motorcycle accident, any of that. John and his firm, they're personal injury attorneys. They're going to handle it. You give them a call at 512-865-6710, 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. Stay with us. We'll update today's matches. Plus, we'll get to U.S. and Iran. You are listening to John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm World Cup 2022 coverage, and it's all here on the horn. All right, welcome back to this special Daspit Law Austin World Cup 2022 from Cutter Soccer Matters on the Horn. Thank you to John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm for their support of FIFA World Cup coverage. John and his firm, personal injury attorneys, no one wants to get in an accident, but if you do, you need representation and you need the best. That is DaspitLawAustin.com. Car, boat, motorcycle accident. Nobody wants to get in them. Maybe you work construction. Whatever the type of injury or accident, drive an 18-wheeler, give the Daspit Law Firm a call. DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. By the way, you have heard our World Cup updates. That is all brought to you by the Daspit Law Firm. So a big thank you to them for supporting soccer and getting Soccer Conversation on the radio and Soccer Matters on the radio. And John has been a great uh, supporter. All right. Uh, let's get uh, a little bit updated here on what's happened here today. What we know now is France, Brazil, Portugal all have gone through. They are in the round of 16. Um, probably no surprises there. Crazy gold fest to get things off and running today with Cameroon and Serbia. Jean Castelletto in the 29th for Cameroon and three straight goals from Serbia. Two of these come in first half stoppage time from Pavlovic and Savic. Then Serbia get an early second half goal from Mitrovic in the 53rd. So at that point, it's three to one. You think, okay, can they measure this game out? Well, uh, and manage it out. No, they can't. Um, they can't manage it out. Cameroon becomes the indomitable lions that they are. Vincent Abubakar and Chopo Moting in the 63rd and 66th tie things up. So that's five goals scored between first half stoppage time and the 66th minute of the second half. That one ends 3-3. Then we go to the young black stars of Ghana, another young team like the United States. Over the Korea public, 
This one, a five-goal thriller that saw Korea pounding away at Ghana until the final whistle looking for an equalizer. Cho with uh, goals for Korea Republic, both of them. Kudis getting two for Ghana, including the game winner. Uh, San in tears at the end of this game, uh, who plays for Spurs. Paulo Bento got the late red card for the Korea Republic. So a tough loss there for them. But uh, the Black Stars are going to hanging in there in this uh, World Cup edition in 2022. Then you had Brazil and Switzerland. So Brazil going without Neymar. I'm sure there's a daily watch on Neymar's ankle to see how his recovery is going here. They're going to want to get him ready for the knockout stages. Um, you can see they miss him. Um, you can see that uh, he obviously, as an individual, can break the alliance uh, of opponents and beat somebody off the dribble and totally alter the tactics of an opposing team and their defensive shape. We've said it a million times on this show. There's nothing better than the individual player when it comes to breaking apart and breaking down a tactical plan. The U.S. is going to need that tomorrow against Iran in a very, very big way, but more on that in this segment. Um, so Brazil and Switzerland, Vinicius Jr. had a goal called back, um, but with no Neymar, you know, it's a little bit different. Brazil's still the better team. They get a 1-0 victory. It's a wonder goal from Casemiro. Uh, just a sparkling, fantastic player that just is an all-action midfielder that gives you a lot of different things. Uh, you just think about all the things that that, that that man does, Casemiro, in a midfield, either for Manchester United now, what he did in the past for Real Madrid and Brazil. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable the amount of differing things he does, whether it's simply tackling, whether it's positional play to allow others to attack, getting into the attack himself and scoring goals, um, distribution. I mean, it, it really is pretty remarkable. Last game of the day was Portugal and Uruguay. Bruno Fernandes gets a pair. The first one was a cross intended for Ronaldo that just went over Ronaldo's head. Ronaldo claimed the goal, but it was turned around and pulled back for Bruno Fernandes. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, and then uh, Bruno Fernandes would uh, hit from the penalty spot. So it's Portugal to Uruguay, zero. Portugal advances. They had 51% of the possession. I will say it won one nil. Uruguay had chances. They hit a post. Um, but rough World Cup so far for Uruguay and uh, Portugal will advance in this one. Okay, so what we have tomorrow. On tap tomorrow is a number of things. You start off with Netherlands Cutter. Uh, I don't think we have to put any bets on that one. I think we know what's going to happen there. Cutter's, uh, I think, first came in the history of the World Cup or, or maybe the second to go out in their first two games. So let's hope they score a goal or do something positive. Netherlands Cutter starts it off. Ecuador, Senegal. And you got Wales, England. And then, of course, we got a huge one with Iran and the United States, um, which we're all looking at. Uh, there's a lot going on now. A lot of people really trying to make a whole lot of the the, the geopolitics of this one, of course, with the history in the U.S. and Iran. And it's not gonna, let's not forget back in 98, um, Iran beat the United States. So that was the first World Cup I was involved with. I was out in Los Angeles at Fox and I was doing a thing called the Fox scope, which was kind of like a scope. And then it would zero in. And then what I would do is put together a piece um, 
with a great Dutch guy named Inder Rutger. And, you know, I would take a theme out of a game and, and, and kind of propose it um, each and every night on the, on the World Cup. And I'll never forget, um, I was staying right by UCLA, which is a very heavy Iranian area. And after Iran uh, beat the United States, which they did it kind of in similar fashion to the way they beat Wales, uh, counterattacking and on the break. Um, but that was a very forgettable World Cup for the U.S. in 98. Uh, a lot of strife within the team. Anyway, I remember trying to drive home from the studio or, uh, and the streets were just filled with Iranians. They just came pouring out into the streets of Los Angeles around UCLA. Um, so just dancing in the streets and, and having a good old time. Uh, that's what happened there. So there is history. Uh, I think there's a lot of gamesmanship going on. Uh, you will hear a little bit more of that, but I think Carlos Quiroz is definitely trying to fire things up and is in and around Iran who are asking for the U S to be removed from the world cup. And, you know, I, I think this is all trying to create chaos. So what does that mean? It means your focus has to remain really good. If you're the United States. And once you get into this game, your emotional control has got to be huge. And these are young guys. Uh, and they're going to have to break down a deeper defending Iran. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. And they're going to have to be really good when the ball turns over in transition. But if you look at what the U.S. did against England, you got to feel really good about it. Um, so emotional control, you got to break down a deeper defending team, which may mean that Greg Berhalter might bring on a Brendan Aronson or a Gio Reyna from the start. You think? Omid Namazi, who has been an assistant coach for Iran under Carlos Kirov, she's going to really break it down in the next segment. You're going to, you're going to really like this interview. Um, okay, so you got to break down a deep defending team. You've got to deal with them in transition. So that couple of seconds when the ball's lost, if you don't get pressure on it, uh, your two center backs, because I'm assuming the U.S. outside backs are really going to have to join in and help in this attack and breaking down a deep defending team. Two center backs are going to have to make really good decisions, but they got the comfort of Tyler Adams in front of them. And he is just remarkable moving laterally to kill off counterattacks. I mean, he's a, he's a counterattack killer. You may have to score goals in front of Iran. So as they continue to drop off, if they mistake the length between their back four or back five, and they mistake it with their midfield, then I'll tell you, they are going to have to get this right because... There could be a pocket of space there for the likes of a Christian Pulisic, a forward checking back, whoever it may be, Haji Wright, whoever. But they are going to have to get that correct. Uh, and the U.S. is going to have to recognize those moments. When they see the team shape of Iran, if there's a fault in it, they don't measure the distance between their lines or they get a little over anxious and attack. The U.S. has got to recognize these moments and they got to go with gusto in those. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with Omid Namazi. Now, I'll tell you about Omid. He has worked for both federations, the U.S. Soccer Federation, United Men's National Team under 20s. Um, he has done it at a lot of levels. He's also been an assistant for Carlos Kirosh, who is the head coach of Iran. And for him, uh, this is a really, really important uh, game. It's one he's going to tell you who he's pulling for, and he has had a lot of influence on a lot of the young U.S. players. All right, this uh, 
This Soccer Matters edition here, Special World Cup 22, brought to you by DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They're bilingual. They'll handle your case. It's John Daspit, DaspitLawAustin.com. Special World Cup coverage here on the Horn. All right, welcome back to Soccer Matters on the Horn here in Austin, Texas. It's brought to you by DaspitLawAustin.com. By the way, this is a special edition Soccer Matters, all presented by John Daspit and the Daspit Law Firm. Big thank you to John and his firm. They get soccer on the airwaves here. But this special edition World Cup coverage uh, has allowed us to do hits throughout the day on the Horn as well as uh, get great guests on like our next one. So a big thank you to John Daspit, the Daspit Law Firm, personal injury attorneys. You call them at 512-865-6710. They are bilingual. They will take your case. Nobody wants to get in an accident, but when you do, sometimes you need representation. It's DaspitLawAustin.com. Next guest has a completely unique uh, institutional knowledge of the U.S. Soccer Federation and Iran Soccer Federation, simply because the man has worked in both of them. He is Omid Namazi, uh, former assistant coach at the Houston Dynamo with Todd Ramos, now at Hartford Athletic. Omid, thank you very much for coming on. As always, it's great to see you again. Yeah, Glenn, as always, thanks for having me. It's good to be on your program again. All right, so we're seeing a lot of the uh, gamesmanship going on here. Everybody's getting uh, stoked for tomorrow's U.S.-Iran game. We We know what the U.S. has to do. We know what Iran has to do. I do want to just get this one out of the way right away. Jurgen Klinsmann's comments, your thought on those, uh, and then the reaction from Carlos Quiros, who, by the way, you know both of these men very, very well, having worked with them. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I think uh, you, uh, knowing Jurgen, I think his words or his his um, message was taken completely out of context. Um, I don't think he was talking about the culture he did use the word culture but i think he he uh uh misused that word and that was taken out of context there uh he was just talking about management of the sideline and and their benches and and so forth and where in iran uh with the national team at the club level even where where i coached uh it's chaos same with with the concacaf countries when we go down there and play you know, they're on the referee, they're on top of the fourth, they're yelling at the players, our players. It's it's complete chaos. And that's what he was referring to. But I think it was taken completely out of out of context. And and Carlos, being the man he is, he took he took great advantage of the situation because he's been under a lot of pressure and has come under a lot of criticism for not saying anything about the situation in Iran, the political situation in Iran, and people have wanted to uh, wanted him to come out and be the voice of people. Uh, people wanted the players to come out and be the voice of people, but that hasn't happened. So Carlos really used this to get on the good on on the people's good grace and good side. And he did, he he did that. He's a master of that. And now people are like, "Yo, he defended our culture," and you know they they they're they're liking what he has to say. He's Omid Namazi now with Hartford Athletic and Tab Ramos. Uh, he was in Houston as an assistant with the Dynamo, but he has worked for both federations, both the United States Soccer Federation uh, and Iran. All right, let's 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 get into the game here. And 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 look, we saw a completely different Iran in their second game against Wales. Uh, spirited, fierce passionate 
uh, producing two incredible goals, incredible drama. Um, and like we had mentioned before the World Cup, these teams can morph into something different. Why don't yep. you give us a little bit of an overview? Let me just give you a platform, and I'll be quiet, Omid, so that my listeners can grab your expertise. You have been an assistant coach with Iran and Carlos Kirosh. Sure. Um, yeah, I think uh, Iran started out the tournament one uh the players under a lot of pressure with what's going on back in in the country um and there's been a lot of criticism pointed towards them so you could see the tension uh but i also think in terms of picking his tactics um carlos i would i would think he would he would even uh claim that that he made a mistake and and he sort of went into the game scared of what england um was about and he started with five in the back or you know three four three four three or five three five three five uh two three however you want to look at it he um he took a very very defensive approach and it backfired on him and in my years working with him I worked with him for four years I never saw him play with three in the back so it was a complete surprise I think the players probably were shocked uh to be to be put in that situation in that formation and it, and it really took them off their game and and I think England took most advantage of this situation and they had a good game themselves and you know you saw the results it could have been 8-2 um uh, or or even worse then uh, between that game and and the, the game against Wales I think Carlos realized, hey, look, these players have some, they have some talent. You know, there's uh, there's some good speed up front. There's good players in the middle. Really, the weakness of Iran is in at, at the center back position. So he kind of took the handcuffs off of them in the second game and I let him play. And they showed the world that they can play with it with uh, with the best of the best. And they, um, you know, they take the approach of sitting back. Uh, and that's Carlos's style, sitting back, absorbing pressure, and then hitting you on a quick counter. And that's what they did against Wales. And they should have scored, you know, a couple goals before they actually did uh, in, in extra time. So I feel this game is is going to be very interesting because I hear a lot of people say, well, we win and we're in, or this is like a, like a second round game. Well, it is, but Iran has an advantage where – if they draw the game or they tie the game, they go through. And Carlos is a master of, you know, again, not giving the other team space to play, uh, playing compact, and then he he constantly works on quick counterattacks. And uh, we have to be very careful. It's going to be a very difficult game. Um, I look forward to watching the game, but I think it's going to be uh, the, the more difficult than people think for the U.S., Omid Namazi joining us as work for both the U.S. Soccer Federation and Iran Soccer Federation. Okay, so low block defending, sitting back, breaking out. We saw him flying forward against Wales. Um, they had limited possession in that game, but they had more chances, more crosses. You know, all the data kind of matches up to exactly what you're saying. How is the U.S. equipped to handle the transition play? Because I thought they did a very good job of it against England. Are they equipped in your mind to handle the transition play of Iran? I think so. I think they're much more equipped than Wales is just because we, uh, 
we possess, when we say, when I say we, uh, the U.S. possesses a lot of speed uh, throughout the team. You know, they're both fullbacks are very fast. Um, you know, at the center back position, we're not extremely fast, but we're not slow either. Um, and then you have Tyler Adams who kills every counterattack, you know, with his athleticism, being able to cover ground, tackle. So I think uh, the U.S. is much, much better equipped at, than Wales in handling those quick counterattacks. Um, where the problem uh, lies for the U.S. is we've always struggled uh, with teams that sit back to create opportunities. And that's where we need to be better. Do we do? Does Greg insert a uh, a uh, Brendan Aronson uh, to be able to create more, uh, or a Gio Reyna to be able to create more? That's going to be the big question for me. That's where I think the game is going to be decided whether we can create enough opportunities and then score a goal. At the end of the day, we got to score a goal, and we've uh, we've not been very good at that so far. Yeah, that's that's a great point. So. You know, how does the U.S. break them down? Is it find a pocket of space, maybe score goals in front of Iran? Or if they're pulled out of shape, really be good at recognizing those few moments that may present itself? I mean, what else is it other than, you know, the individual, which can break down the greatest tactical plan, to your point, bringing on an Aronson or Arena? Yeah, I mean, they, they you know, we need to uh, to to exploit both. Uh, the central channels attacking through the middle, but also uh, with with crosses from wide areas. I don't think it, again um, the middle uh, of the back for Iran is the strongest, and I think we can take advantage of that. Uh, we just got to make sure we got the right personnel on the field, and, and make sure that those guys are are guys who can create on their own, but also we can create you know with uh, with the right tactics, with the right approach. The two center backs, uh, they have is that Pura Lejanyi, Pura Leganji, and Hosseini, and Hosseini, yes, yeah, Hosseini. Okay, so those are they good in the air? Are they good at dealing with crosses? They're decent. Neither one of them is very tall. Um, so you know, again, you know, there's there's opportunities there for us. Uh, the main thing is Pura Leganji is coming off an ACL uh, repair, so. Not quick on the turns right now, and you know central uh, combinations and and you know uh, combinations around him could be could be a way to get him behind, and I think that's what that's what we need to look at. Um, Hosseini is more of a robust, hard type of central back, um, but again, lacks pace a little bit, and I think uh, that's. That's some of the things that Greg needs to look at and uh, and see how he can we can exploit with our players. We're talking to Omid Namazi. He has worked for both the Iranian Federation under Carlos Kirosh as an assistant coach with the U.S. setup as well. Uh, really unique perspective here uh, from Omid. Uh, I don't think there's any question here. Um, the game for the U.S. against England. I'm really curious to get your thoughts. For me. That's one of the greatest games we have ever played. If I, I think it is the standard bear now for controlling a game in a World Cup against a quote unquote considered world power in England. I, I that was a prideful performance to me that had everything but the goal. Uh, no question about it. I think it was one of the best performances uh, of of the last I don't know ten years. 
of uh, of the national team. And I, quite frankly, I think this is the best generation of players we've ever produced. You know, in in totality, when you look at it, you know, from from the back line all the way up to to the front line, we've got some good players. They're all playing at a high level uh, in Europe. Um, and and I think we can play with anybody. I mean, they show that they can play with anybody in the world. Now, being consistent with that and and not going from one game playing great against England and then the next game not being on top of our game, uh, that's that's always been the challenge for the U.S. teams. And um, and I hope that they uh, they can bring it on again uh, against Iran and uh, and have that same type of performance and and be able to capitalize on their chances. Knowing the Iranian people like you do, I mean, you got to be a little bit torn here going into this one, right? I mean, knowing both setups as well, all the people involved with it, both the coaches. I am torn a little bit. Uh, you know, in in normal in a normal circumstances, I would say I I don't know who would have who I would have picked to win the game or who I would want to win, but I can honestly say with everything that's going on um, politically in Iran. And I'm very, very engaged in, in what's going on, um, you know, with, with the, the human rights situation and, and, and freedom and the women there. Um, I really hope the U S wins. And I hope that, um, you know, it's, uh, it's sort of, a you know, Coming, coming to uh, to uh, um, maturity of of a U.S. soccer t- team that is very young, but also is very talented. And I have worked personally with a lot of these players, so I hope that they they can they can bear the fruit of all the hard work they put in. Yeah, it must be very prideful for you because I know you have worked with these these players, and I I think this is a generation that has us so excited. I I love the personalities. I. I love the way uh, Tyler Adams handles himself with the press, mature beyond his years. I love the two outside backs now who are very comfortable with a ball at their feet and can get out of trouble. I mean, there's just so many exciting things to think about as it percolates and matures uh, going into the future. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 super exciting. Um, now I think for the general fan, they got to punctuate that by winning and getting a goal here. And I think if they do in advance, yeah, and that's- right? And that's the thing I was going to say. You know, if you look at the team, we we have a very good team. I mean, I, I as they showed against England, we can play with anyone. We lack a number nine. We like a nine that can consistently score a true number nine. And if we had that, I could tell you, we get out of this group, anything can happen. Yeah. I just feel like in terms of, you know, uh, being able to capitalize on the on the opportunities they create, we're not there yet. Uh, and if we were, we could, you know, we could go uh, deep into this tournament and we could, we still could. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if the team is able to get out of the group and we are able to capitalize on these chances by committee, you know, we could make a run, a deep run in, in this tournament. I'm, I'm confident. These guys are, you know, they're good athletes. Um, they're technically good. Um, they've been together for, for a long time throughout the youth national teams. So um, I, I have high hopes for them as long as they get out of the group. Now, this game itself is going to be very difficult. 
Obed, last one before I let you go. And I've, I've tried to promise myself not to get into the politics, but I worry about the sacred nature of the World Cup and, and the over-commercialization of it. And, you know, everybody's sending messages in every which way about a lot of different things. And I'm not saying they aren't heartfelt, but I do worry about the sacredness of it. You know, uh, we're going to 48 teams next year. The, the yeah. commercialization of it, it, it just seems through the roof to me sometimes. It seems almost secondary, the players and the teams. Do you feel the same way or am I off the off the beaten path here? No, a little bit. It's getting to be too much in terms of the commercialization of it. Um, and also, I, I completely disagree with the going with 48 teams uh, because it just waters waters down the, the competition. I mean, you look at you know, Costa Rica and, and, you know, them playing against Spain and taking seven goals. It's not really, that's not fun. You know, what's fun is um, the, the, the games this morning, the three, three game, the three, two game games that are competitive games that that are interesting. They're back and forth. And I think when you go to 48 teams, you just take that away. Um, So so I hope that doesn't happen. And I, I, I hope that FIFA realizes it. They have to put more emphasis onto the game in itself, and not so much the money and the commercialization of of the whole of the whole event. Spoken like a true man who loves, respects the game, and has contributed to it heavily for both Iran, the United States. You've done a heck of a lot of work here. It'll be prideful for you to see a lot of these young Americans playing that you worked one on one with. Omid, thank you so much for coming on. We always appreciate it. Uh, we want to get you back on post uh, U.S. Iran and and to talk in general about the World Cup and some of the other teams as well. Sure, thank you for having me again, Glenn, and I would uh, be happy to come on come on the show anytime. All right, that's Omid Namazi. The rarity of uh, play, uh, not playing, but uh, working with both the U.S. Soccer Federation and Iran Soccer Federation with Hartford Athletic now. And Tab Ramos, that does it tonight here. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back on next Monday. It's more from the Daspit Law Firm, DaspitLawAustin.com, 512-865-6710. They're bilingual. By the way, listen throughout the day on the horn. You'll hear the updates all presented by DaspitLawAustin.com. Podcast of this show, HornFM.com. As always, a big thank you to everybody at the horn for producing and getting this show on the air. I'm Glenn Davis. Until next Monday night, remember Soccer Matters.